If you take your Bibles and turn in the Old Testament to the prophet Jonah, chapter 3. Jonah, chapter 3. I'll wait a, a moment while you t- take some time to find that. You might want to uh, consult your table of contents if you <clears throat> haven't been working on your order of the books of the Bible lately. Um, <clears throat> toward the end of the Old Testament, Jonah, chapter 3. And Before I read the passage this morning, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word, both Old and New Testament. We thank you for the the wonderful grace that you present to us through your word, through the work of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, again, presented to us in both the Old and New Testaments. Thank you for the picture of your grace that you painted so clearly in the days of the law. And we thank you for the way that your son Jesus fulfilled all that law so that when he died on the cross, he could offer to everyone who believes forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Father, it's, that, it's, it's our belief in what he's done for us that gives us hope in the storm that we're in today. And so we thank you for this hope. We thank you for the joy of your salvation that we talked about last week, that we've been experiencing as we've been focused on what Jesus has done for us. And we pray these things in his strong name. Amen. Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You remember the first time. Most of you are familiar with this story. When, you got, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the first time, He listened and then ran the other way. Now something else takes place. Verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go all through it. Jonah started into the city going a day's journey and he proclaimed... Forty more days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. Verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, And sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. I'm going to stop the reading there. Of course, this isn't the end of the story, and I'll encourage you to go back and 
and reread the first couple of chapters of Jonah to, to remember that most famous part of the story where Jonah, in his flight from God's command to go to Nineveh, a city that he was not interested in going to because it was a city known for its evil, known for its violence, known for its hatred of other peoples, including the Jews. And so Jonah was not interested in going there. He had no appreciation for that people group, no appreciation for for what was going on in Nineveh. So he went the other way. God stopped him, of course. And on his boat trip, the opposite direction from, uh, from Nineveh, he was thrown overboard to save the sailors that were in that ship as the storm was was so great. And of course, you know the story how God provided a, a huge fish to come and swallow Jonah. And Jesus reminds us, as the, as the prophet Jonah um, told us, that it was three days that Jonah was in the belly of that fish. And then on the third day, he vomited him up onto, onto dry land. And then God spoke to him again. And that's where we pick up here in chapter three. And as great as a as a story and great as a miracle as that was that God provided a fish out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea to, to swallow Jonah and in essence save him because he wasn't going to be able to swim to shore from where he was. But he also had to spend that three days in the belly of that fish and think about what he was doing. All of those things were taking place. But as he was thrown back onto, sea, back onto shore, um, as that fish vomited him up, God gave him another opportunity. But not only did God give Jonah another opportunity to obey, he was giving Nineveh an opportunity. And remember why Jonah didn't want to go there. It was a wicked, evil, cruel, violent place. As I've been thinking about what we're going through here in the United States and really around the world, but particularly my focus is thinking about what's going on in our own country, in our own city, and we think about the evil, and we think about the violence that are represented here in the United States, it got me thinking about Nineveh. It got me thinking about what we can do as Jonah you know, went through that huge city, and, and it only gives us a little bit of his message, but the, the, thru, you know, the, the thrust of his message was that in 40 days, this place is coming down. Now, we don't have you know, God telling us that the United States is coming down in 40 days. But as we look to the Old Testament for lessons in, in what God does and how God treats people and how God treats countries and cities and things like that, we recognize that God was not pleased with the evil that the Ninevites were doing. And we can assume the same thing is true today, that God is not pleased with what we're doing here in the United States, with the, with the, the general attitude that people in the United States have toward him and toward his holiness and towards the way that he wants us to live our lives. A way that he's described not only in his word, but a way that he has provided every single person who's ever been born with a law that he writes on their hearts. There there are certain ways that he wants us to live, certain, certain attitudes that he wants us to have. And we know what those are. And we as a country have, have pretty much, even many within the church who have the word of God, many of us have turned away from God's ways and said, we're going to do our own thing and do it in our own way. Well, that's, that's kind of reaching a culmination right now as we see the violence in our country, as we, as we see the godlessness, and we wonder, is there any hope for our country? And I've been saying for a number of weeks now, really a couple of months, that one of the most important things that we can be doing for our country right now 
is first of all, examining our own lives and asking ourselves, is there anything in us, is there anything in me that is not conforming to the word of God? And so we start the process of helping our country by getting ourselves right with God, by confessing our sins, by, by looking at what we're doing and, and the ways that we're thinking, the way that we're operating, the, the, the way that we're engaged in our marriages and our family lives and, and within our communities. As we look at ourselves, if there's anything in us that we need to turn from, we need to take the, the, the cue from the Ninevites and believe God and repent. But another thing, that as, as we do that, another very, very important thing for us to do is we need to be in prayer for our country. We need to pray, as I'm sure Jonah did. It doesn't, it doesn't talk a lot about his, it talks about his prayer in the, in the belly of the fish. It doesn't talk about him praying in chapter 3. But I'm sure that his preaching was accompanied by his prayers. And we need to be praying during these days that God will open the eyes of the people in our country who do not know him, who do not respect him, who do not care about him, who do not believe in him. We need to pray that God will open their eyes and help them see that the God who made all of this beautiful world, the God who made human beings as we are, that he, the great God, the great creator, that he loves us and that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us. As Jonah went through that city, as he preached this message of judgment, and, I'm, and again, as I'm sure he also prayed, the Lord did something amazing in Nineveh. A city that could be described as the most wicked, the most violent city in the world at that time. God did something amazing. As we saw in verse 5 of chapter 3, he said, the Ninevites believed God. That is an amazing statement. The Ninevites, of all people, the Ninevites believed God. These were a, a polytheistic people. They believed in a, in a pantheon of gods. And they certainly didn't respect the true creator. They certainly didn't believe in the God of Israel that Jonah was proclaiming. But as Jonah came into that city and as he preached and as he prayed, the Ninevites believed God. That statement reminds me of back in, in Genesis when God made promises to, to Abraham in chapters 12 and 15 of Genesis. He asked, he asked Abraham to do certain things. And the word of God says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Well, it's easier for us to believe that about Abraham, who, who became the father of God's people, who became the father of the children of God, in a, in a certain respect is our father by faith. But the same word is used of the Ninevites, that they believed God. God did something in their hearts. God did something with their eyes to help, to change their perspective so that they, they took the word that this, and I, and I think it, it's, it's feasible for us to, to call him right now kind of a freak of nature because Jonah probably looked kind of weird as he came into Nineveh after his experience three days in the belly of that fish. 
there, there's a good possibility that that fish's stomach acid um, did, did some work on, on uh, Jonah. Maybe did a little bit of work on his, on his hair coloring. Uh, might have been a little bit uneven. Might have been a little bit weird. Might have even dealt with the texture um, of his hair. But it also probably did something to his skin. And so he probably came out fairly bleached. And he came into that city, a foreigner to begin with, but also a very strange-looking foreigner. And instead of running him out of town, they believed what he said. They believed God. And suddenly, all of a sudden, all of the things that they knew better than doing, that they'd been doing, all of those evil acts, all of those evil attitudes that they had, all of the violence that they were committing among each other and among nations around them, because, the, again, the Assyrians, which Nineveh was the capital of, the Assyrians were known as ruthless warriors. When they left a town, they left it in shambles, and they left the evidence of, of how they felt about other people. Um, they left it there. Lots of times heads were on spikes as, as, as people came into those broken down towns that the Ninevites had destroyed, and all those kind of things. These were very cruel, very violent people, and all of a sudden, something changed. They believed God, and their attitudes changed. Their hearts changed, and they repented. They turned away from their wickedness. They turned away from their evil. Even their king, when he got word of what was going on, when he heard the message, he believed God. And he made it official. He said, everybody's going to participate in this, in this awakening. Everybody's going to participate. Everybody's going to repent. Everybody's, and, the, and that's what the, the, the picture of tearing their clothes and putting on sackcloth and, and sitting in dust and ashes. That, that was a, a picture of that. They were repenting. They were turning away from their attitudes. They were turning away from their evil. It was an amazing thing. And he also made this statement as he was calling them to repentance. And really, in a sense, he didn't even have to call them because they were already repenting before he, before he got word of it. But he said, I want everybody to call urgently on God. And maybe he won't bring the judgment on us that's been declared. Well, that was a wise move that he made. A move that I believe was inspired by God himself who opened his eyes as well as the eyes of the people so that they could believe, and they did. And of course, it says that God spared them. Now, this wasn't the, the eternal salvation of all of the Assyrians from this point forward. Because we know from the history of the Bible that a few generations from Jonah, from a few generations after this great awakening took place in Nineveh, that the, those people and that country became evil again, and God used them to judge even Israel. Uh, he, he used them to take the northern tribe away and, and to take them into captivity. Into captivity. And, and he also was used in the second um, judgment on, on Israel when Judah was judged. And, and so Assyria didn't, didn't continue to follow God as they did on this particular day for this particular moment. But God heard their prayers And he credited their belief in him as righteousness. And he did a work in Nineveh, that great but evil city. And so my question this morning is, can we learn 
from what God did in Nineveh through the ministry of Jonah, can we learn anything about what we might need to see happen here in the United States? And does this give us, and it certainly does me, but does it give you encouragement to pray for the lost people, for the, for the unsaved people, for the people who do not believe in God here in our country? It should, I think that this, that this um, chapter in Jonah, that this experience that Jonah had in Nineveh, should give us great expectation as we pray for the lost in our country. As the, as the church of Jesus Christ, and we're just part of that church, and we're, we're hopeful that many other churches are doing the same thing, but as the church of Jesus Christ in the United States prays for the lost in our country, we can expect that as the Ninevites repented, as the Ninevites believed in God, that there will be many in the United States that even through this storm that we're in, even through this trial that we're in, and remember, it's a multifaceted trial. And remember, it began long before COVID-19 came. It began long before the protests and the riots began. This, this judgment on the United States you know, began years ago as we continued over and over again as a people and as a country to turn away from God. To, to forget about the morality that the word of God calls us to, to forget about the, the sexual morality that God has written on all of our hearts. We said, forget that, forget God's standard for sexual purity and holiness. We don't need that anymore. We can do things our own way. We started doing that. When greed was, was, was allowed to, to reign in our, in our lives, and when, when all of us, from the, from the least to the greatest, became greedy and, and care only about g- gathering for ourselves all this stuff. And on and on and on. And, and the violence that we're seeing in our country, we see that described as one of the sins of Nineveh. We have a tremendous propensity right now in our country for violence, as we see in the, in the, in the cities around, the, um, around our country, where, where so many are being shot and, and, and so much rioting is taking place with, with fireworks and, and arson and all different kinds of things. There's all kinds of violence going on in our country. Those things began before these crises started. But as we pray, as we see what God did in Nineveh, a tremendously wicked city, we can see that there is hope for a country like the United States. And we can see that there's hope for us right now. As Jonah declared that judgment, it says the people of Nineveh, from the least to the greatest, believed God. And so I want to call us, I want to continue this call that I've been, that I've been involved in with this body, with this church, now for, for a number of months. I want to continue our call to pray for the lost in our country to pray for an awakening like took place in Nineveh, to pray for that awakening to take place here in the United States. Now, of course, it starts with us. All of our prayer is dependent on our fellowship with God. And if we're living in sin, 
If we're comfortable with greed, if we're comfortable with sexual immorality, if we're comfortable with, with mistreating people, if we're comfortable with all those kinds of, of impurities in our lives, if we're letting any of those things live in us, then our prayers are going to be meaningless. Because God says in his word that, that until we confess our sins, then our fellowship with God is broken and, and, and our prayers are going to be ineffective. And so this, this, prayer, this call to prayer starts with us recognizing our need to be right with God. But as we confess our sins and as we repent, as we, as we turn away from these things, and, and, and some of you are saying, you know what, I've tried that, but there's this, there, there are certain particular sins that, that, I just can't, that I just can't kick. And so I'm kind of I'm giving up on it. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up on those things. So, some have mentioned to me that the, the thing that they just can't get rid of is the foul language. Or some it's, some it's just the, the, the continual pull toward pornography or, or sexual immorality. They just can't. And some have said, I just can't quit talking about people. Just, just keep on, I just keep on saying negative things. I can't. Whatever your particular thing is and, and you're getting frustrated because you're not, you're not able to, to leave it behind. Don't give up. I was encouraged this week as somebody shared 2 Timothy 2.22 with me. This is flee the evil desires of youth and pursue faith, love, righteousness, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, that's what we need to be doing. If we identify those areas of our lives that, that are not pleasing to God, we flee from them. And that's not just a one-time act. That's something that we have to continue to do because our flesh, our, our old nature loves to sin, loves to do those things that, that we're not supposed to do as believers in Christ, as creation of God. And so as we identify those things, we flee from those things and as we flee, we also pursue the things of God along with others who are also calling on him out of a pure heart. And so don't give up. Intensify your, your desire to, to, to call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And find those within the body of Christ that you're close to or that you trust and say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm trying to clean up my, my life. I'm trying to live a more godly life. And I've got this particular area. I've got these particular things that I'm really struggling with. And I would really appreciate you praying for me to, to help me out of this. Now, sometimes, especially in this cancel culture that we live in, we'd be afraid to, to talk to anybody else about it because if they find out about it, then boom, you know, who knows what, what can happen to us. Well, that's why I mentioned somebody that you trust. Somebody will, will keep your... your your conversation with them in confidence and have them start praying with you and, and, and helping hold you accountable to the things that God is holding us accountable to. And so it starts with us taking seriously the word of God, taking seriously the standards of God, taking seriously the, the, the law that God has written on all of our hearts and saying, we're not going to settle for other things. We're not going to settle for impurity. We're not going to settle for immorality. We're not going to settle for greed in our lives. We're going to make the changes with the help of God, with his Holy Spirit, with the, with the truth of his word, and also 
the help of the body of Christ, calling on God along with those, I mean, following God along with those who call on the Lord out of a, out of a pure heart. And as our hearts are pure before God, then we will pray for those around us. Some people that we know, that we know don't know Christ, and, and some of those people in our lives, we think there's no way this person's ever going to come to Christ. You know, that's exactly what Jonah thought about the Ninevites. But they did. And there is hope for the lost in our country, even those that we don't think there's any way they would ever come to faith in Christ. I saw a video clip this week of one of the false preachers of our era who apparently has gotten things right with God and is is starting to preach the the truth of the gospel and has made statements, public statements of his own repentance from the, the gospel he was preaching. Somebody that I would never have guessed that that would happen to. And I'm still watching. I'm still hoping that this, that this is real and, and it's, you know, and, it, and it's going to bring forth great fruit. But, but don't stop praying for somebody just because you think there's no way that they're ever going to believe. Remember some of the, some of the saints in the scripture, some of the apostles even, the apostle Paul, he would not have been on a most likely to receive Jesus list in the first century. He, in fact, would have been on the other list, most likely not to receive Jesus. But he did. And so don't let the, where a person is right now and what they've said to you or what they've said publicly, don't let that stop you from praying for the lost in our country, in your own life, in your own community. But also, even the leaders of our country in the, in, in, in the Senate, in the, in the House, in the, in the executive branch, in the presidency, Pray for these people. Pray for those in the courts. Pray for people of influence, for our governors, for our mayors. Pray for their salvation. Some of them already know Christ. Some of them have already professed Christ. Pray for their growth. But let's pray for this awakening in our country that it might be said of the United States that the citizens, the people of the United States believed God and then went on to repent as the Ninevites did. And that there might even be a statement made about the leadership of the United States. That they believed God. And that they repented. And that they began to lead out of righteousness instead of out of greed. Instead of out of pride. But they led by righteousness and by faith. And by compassion. And by God's wisdom. What what an amazing thing that would be. What an amazing thing that God could do and would do through the United States if we would believe. And so I want to encourage us as we continue through this trial, as we continue through this storm, as we sang about this morning. Sometimes we feel helpless in the storm. We're not. We can be right with God ourselves, and we can pray that God would bring others to faith in Christ, even during this terrible time in our country. This is the time for us to pray. Now, I've mentioned to you many times that one of the One of the great ways to do that, to pray for our country, is come together on Wednesday nights for our prayer meeting. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Right now we're doing it both live, in person I mean, and also through Zoom. So whatever your circumstances are regarding COVID and and how you're um, fighting that, you can do either one. But I would encourage you to do it. 
Um, it's not the kind of thing where we're going to call on you to pray in front of everybody else and, and put you on the spot, but we will give you an opportunity to pray and we will pray together. But I also want to call on you not only to use that opportunity, but also remember in your prayers, many of you pray over your meals. Remember as you're, as you're giving God thanks for your meal um, during these days to pray for the lost in our country. Many of you pray when you wake up in the morning, you have a time with the Lord. Pray for the lost in our country. Many of you pray before you go to bed. Maybe pray with your children, your grandchildren. Pray for the lost of our country. Let's make it a continual theme of our prayers. That we're praying not only for, our, for ourselves and for the church, but we're also praying for the lost. If you want to pray, if you want us as a church to pray for any by name, just uh, use the the uh, the opportunity on the the registration form of the on the internet there. Put your name in there and put who you're praying for, and we'll put that on our prayer list. You can call that in if you want to to the to the church office or send us an email. We'll put by your name on the prayer list some the names of people that you're praying for, and we'll join you in praying for those who don't know Christ. But let's use this time of crisis to pray as Jonah did and as he preached that we would also be strong witnesses for him during these days, not ashamed to speak of the true God of the word, not not afraid to speak of the true creator and the true savior, not afraid to to mention and to lift up the name of Jesus in in this context today in these days that people will hear about Jesus. And think about Jesus that they've already heard about. Many have already, have already heard about him in our country. But they need their eyes to be open. And they need God to do a work in their lives. And so let's pray that the United States would believe God. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for all that we can learn from the work that you did thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. Even in a in a wicked place like Nineveh. Through a, a, a very tainted prophet. A very unlikely man to be the one that you would use to bring salvation to so many at that time in Nineveh. And so, Father, we pray that you would use us at this time in the life of our country. We know that our citizenship is in heaven, and that's our primary and most important citizenship, but we also have citizenship here and a responsibility to these people. And so help us to be strong in our witness for Jesus, but also help us remember that it's only through prayer that hearts will turn, that eyes will be opened, and that many of those who don't know Christ in the United States today will have their eyes opened and will, as the Ninevites did, believe in you. Father, there are some in our, in our service today that are in that very situation. They don't know you. They have never believed in you. They've heard about you. They've wondered about you but they've never believed that what you did for them in Jesus was for them. They've been trying hard in some cases to to change their lives. Father, help them to see that just like the Ninevites who were, were in rebellion against you, that everybody 
who doesn't believe in Jesus is in rebellion against you because you've offered to us this plan of salvation. And so many have rejected it. But Father, today could be the day of salvation for some who are listening to us today. And we pray that you'd help them to know that like the Ninevites, all they need to do to begin this relationship is to believe. Believe in what you have done for them in Jesus Christ. And that just as Jonah was three days in the whale, then he was, then he was spit out, so Jesus was three days dead. But on the third day, he rose again. And just as Jonah was a picture of that, Father, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead and lives today to give salvation to every single person who will believe. Help those who don't believe today believe in you. And Father, we pray that same thing for many around our country, that this would be a time of a great awakening, even as Nineveh experienced it, that we might also experience this awakening and that you would give us more time as a country and as a church within this country to make a difference for you around this world, that you might be glorified, not only here, but around the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.